rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. The live studio audience. <laughs> that's right. We don't push buttons here. No. Those are real humans. Thank you, all that's you people right. out there. We We're can, so glad you made it. We can't see you behind the lights, but we are here. Everyone's masked. Um, <laughs> right. Vaccinated yep. chat. Exactly. The whole thing. Um, and we have a special guest today. We have... <laughs> A, uh, the VP of Programming and Sales, amongst other things, with us for the Paramount and that trail of superlatives. Word of the day, superlatives, wow. is mm -hmm. leads to Mr. Jim Jarvis. I feel like I need to drink a sip of coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sip it up. Yeah, you at home. home. Yep. You get a coffee and you get a coffee. I feel like Oprah. <laughs> thank you guys so much, man. This is super cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we've got the local stuff that you like. That's Jeanette explaining once again on a beautiful Friday. Uh, we're here. We made it through the week. Jeanette, how you feeling? I feel great. Good. I'm so good. I got some. I got some big personal news. Not quite ready to release it to the world yet, but I'm really excited about it. So okay. Stay tuned. Little little prequel. Battle. Yeah. All right. Oh, all right. nice teaser. <laughs> yeah. Could you write it on a piece of paper? Curtis <laughs> yeah, and I and Monica just know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't have paper here, but yes, like in theory. Funny you yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah. Take care of that for you. Yeah. Jim came prepared. Yes. Jim came prepared. Um, so all of you guys at home, you're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Thank you for tuning in, checking us out. Uh, I want to give a personal thank you. Just really, 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 really quick to two friends of the show, Mr. Joel Friend and Jay Kelly. Shouts out to the brothers. See you on Twitter. Okay. Uh, so let's, let's, now Jeanette, hold on. Before we get into Jim and his life story and everything about him. All the things. You got something to tell us about the past holiday here on Indigenous People's Day was that yes, right? Yes, yes. So our Jeanette explaining segment for the week, we're just we're just doing a segment today because we've got Jim here, so we're gonna you know switch it up a little bit instead of y'all hearing me talk for the entire hour. You're welcome. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so this Monday was uh, Indigenous People's Day slash Columbus Day, depending on uh, where you're at right now in this moment. And I just wanted to take some time and kind of, because this has been seeming to blow up this year and the past couple of years for uh, like in every little corner of the internet right now uh, on like, it's Indigenous People's Day. No, it's Columbus Day. And we go back and forth. And so I just wanted to, but like there, it's actually really fascinating sort of thing and so I wanted to kind of dig in with a little Aurora perspective and I'm sure Jim here can relate I know the Paramount recently uh, you know posted their um, it was our day off yeah. box office was closed right yep. at which we've been taking the day off for Columbus era at least a lot of uh, organizations do it's federal holiday right mm -hmm. banks were closed and things like that and but you guys posted that it was 
Uh, we're taking the day off. It's Indigenous Peoples Day. And then, of course, this inevitably turned into the, like, what about Columbus, right? And yeah. so, yeah, right? So it's a whole thing. And not, I mean, uh, we can talk about it from the arts and perspective, too, in terms of how we decide what gets represented where, which I think is becoming a much bigger conversation in the Paramount. But just to add some historical context, I want to give you all some of the history of Columbus Day and Indigenous Peoples Day and how it relates locally here in Aurora. So, um, we celebrate on, um, on that Monday in, um, in October, and it's uh, usually it's Columbus Day uh, historically and has been since 1842 is the first time that we celebrated Columbus Day. Uh, right before in, Good Morning Aurora started. Right before, right. We've been around for 100 years now, 150 years, if everyone knows. No. Um, so this was the four, uh, it was basically the 400 years after Columbus, uh, you know, arrived in the New World, right? And so they were doing the Columbian Exposition, they were doing all these Columbus-y things. But that wasn't really the uh, trigger for Columbus Day. The reason why it started is because at that time, there's actually a ton of anti-Italian sentiment. Um, it was uh, the, because like every wave of immigrants has always faced somebody being jerks to them, even though someone else was an immigrant before them, right? And that's kind of our pattern here. Um, and at the time, uh, there. The, the big wave of anti-immigration sentiment was against um, it Italians and Irish, right? And uh, so uh, what really was the, the inciting incident was um, a bunch of Italian-Americans were accused of killing the police chief down in New Orleans, and then they were acquitted. And so then a mob uh, of people from New Orleans came and like broke the, uh, these uh, Italian-Americans out of jail and murdered them all, even though they had been acquitted. Yes. So like 11 people died um, and there was all this like, oh, these guys got acquitted. They got off because, uh, you know, the Italian mob got them off. And that was like this whole like story. And it blew up into this huge like national thing. Um, and at the same time, oh, and then uh, this whole thing, because all these people got murdered, even though they had been acquitted, uh, it caused all of this huge, um, the, uh, like this international conflict with Italy, right? With actual Italy. They were like, well, we, our people are going over there and getting murdered. Or like, what, what, what? <laughs> like, so uh, it got to the point where uh, the Italians even pulled their um, their ambassador back from the United States and vice versa. And there was like like murmurs of war. This is a whole thing. Wow. I know. We Crazy, right? <laughs> we almost went like, we didn't almost go to war, but there were people like, you know, like, right? right? Blowing, blowing steam. Um, and then at the same time, President Harrison now needed the Italian vote because he was not doing great in the polls. And also he needed to like repair ties with um, Italy. So uh, he really latched onto this, like it's the 400th anniversary of Columbus thing. And he was like, national holiday. Day. And so we created Columbus Day to celebrate all of this, and it became this huge, the idea was to make it a huge, like, patriotic thing, right, for for Columbus, who discovered America, asterisk, right? Um, and, 
so that's uh, and it, it's also when the Pledge of Allegiance was written and first like used and all this is this whole big thing and they did all these big parties and Times Square and all of this stuff uh, none of which Harrison attended because his wife was dying of tuberculosis at the time because 1842 uh, and then he ended up losing anyway to Grover Cleveland who came back like he was president and then Harrison and then Cleveland again so um, but it became a national holiday in 1934 and then a federal holiday officially like the banks were closed and Wall Street and all of that in 1971 uh, which is about the time that indigenous groups started protesting and being like this this guy was kind of an, an a-hole pardon my French right like um, and which is sort of the uh, one of the major like like 71 was about the time that the red power movement was starting you're starting to see uh, indigenous people protesting a lot more frequently um, for the rights so so that's kind of the backdrop of Columbus Day uh, and of course now what we're seeing with Indigenous Peoples Day is all these growing protests saying like look like Columbus also committed mass genocide right when he got here to the point where uh, when he arrived in um, Hispaniola the natives who lived there, they they were not decimated because decimated only means to reduce by a tenth. They were almost complete. They were wiped out. Right? It was it was genocide. And on top of that, like people in neighboring, like throughout the region, the natives when they heard like that the Spaniards or the you know the Columbus's men were coming through, uh, they there were like suicides and things like that to try and like to just because they would rather like go out on their own than be tortured by the colonizers. So. So this guy sucked. He sucked so bad that he was taken back to Spain in shackles, like because for his war atrocities, right? Like people were done with Columbus. Yeah. So um, not a great guy. Uh, and the way that I like to frame this whole sort of thing is my one of my best friends is both uh, Mexican, so lar uh, largely indigenous, and Italian. And he's like, so, like at the heart of this conflict, like internally, and is like, there are so many other better Italians that we could like, uh, you know, honor, right? That have had lots of things, like Galileo or Michelangelo or Dante or Da Vinci. Like, there are so many great Italians. This guy is the worst Italian. <laughs> like, so, uh, so the and and this really blew up. I think a lot of people saw it during the. Um, the last summer too when the statues of Columbus or two statues of Columbus in Chicago and they you know the mayor ended up taking them down because mobs were attempting to take them down so um, and and the Italian American neighborhood was kind of pushing back on it a lot like they wanted their their stat their statue in part not necessarily because of Columbus as a person who most people agree was pretty awful uh, although he had a lot of influence right it doesn't necessarily make someone like lots of people have lots of influence and you don't want to honor them right so so that's kind of the whole Columbus indigenous people's day thing and I also have like my own like personal when when it becomes this like oh but Italian American heritage like you can't take that away from us I'm kind of like but Casimir Pulaski is not a thing anymore like right yeah right do you remember Casimir yeah Pulaski I do I'm old enough to remember right Casimir so like I I'm think, from the south side so. right. right thank you south side Polish represents right. yes. yeah my family's from Bridgeport so like we used to get that day off we don't get that day off anymore basically not everybody gets a holiday that's Okay, right. like it's, it's fine. We can we can swap out holidays from here, like every now and then. It'll be it's, it's okay. Um, so 
Anyway, here's our Aurora angle, which is that a lot of places, like you'll, you may have seen over the past week, uh, a lot of organizations and stuff have posted. Okay, all right, I'm wrapping up. Like the uh, like this, uh, our organization is on native land, and it'll say like who the native land like belonged to, right? Like who lived here before, and and it's a really, really, really long and convoluted story because basically once uh, the Europeans started moving into North America, it created all this conflict with the local with the indigenous people because they were getting forced from the coast further and further and further. And so we don't really know necessarily, especially without a written record, who was here thousands of years ago. But we know back to about this, the like the 1800s, 1700s. Uh, and at that point in this area, uh, it was, was tribes called the um, we had the Sox and we had the Fox. And we had the Potawatomi, and uh, all of those th names are names that other people foisted upon them. So, it, like, if you want to get like crazy into it, um, the Fox, which people like, you know, that Fox River that we have, it's not named after the animal fox; it's named after the tribe named Fox. But the the people uh, got the name Fox because the French called them the Reynards, which means fox. But really, they called themselves something totally different, which is Meskwaki. So, and that's almost as cool as a name as Jim Jarvis. Almost. So, wow. So now well, we're transitioning. First of all, that was amazing. That was an amazing story. Yeah, it really, truly really was. So, there you go. So, we this, uh, so Good Morning Aurora brought to you on the uh, Potawatomi, Sac, and Fox slash Meskwaki lands. And that's your bit of random history for the day. Let's turn it over to Jim. Hi, Jim. That was awesome. Yeah. Really, really. All right. Um, so tell us about the Paramount. Yeah. Kinky Boots is about to wrap up. Yeah, so Kinky Boots is about to wrap up for its, I think, believe, 71 oh. performances by I'm the time it was all Are you? Uh, I'm going tomorrow. I'm what so time? excited. I don't know. Seven? We, uh, we, at the nighttime, we, uh, we do a three and an eight I tomorrow, I and then Sunday is going. one and five three. You're just showing up. I'm like, just dressing pretty and going. Nice. Yeah. And, but that's the cool thing is, you know, uh, I think what we found is a couple things that, now, first of all, you couldn't ask for a better message in these times than Kinky Boots right. with acceptance, like listening and accepting. And the, the cast is amazing. It's been so cool to see the variety of people have come through the doors. And so, yeah, it's it's exciting for us to get those doors back open again. Um, we're going to go into Second City next. So we start with the Second City Holiday Show in November, and it's over at the Copley Theater, mm -hmm. our smaller theater that we just got done. Right across the street. Yeah. We, all the, we all took, the renovations, yeah. Well, the cool part was, like, Tim, our CEO, Tim Rader, decided, hey, we're going to take advantage of the time, downtime with COVID. And so... The plan was to renovate Copley, so we didn't stop it. Uh, we had it renovated, and it's beautiful, and it's cool. And then we come back in a couple of weeks. I think four weeks from now, we uh, open up Cinderella on November 10th. Oh, and then snap. We, oh, yeah. It's going to be cool. And it's uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, Cinderella. Uh, we just did a photo shoot yesterday with Cinderella in the theater or uh, in the Grand Gallery. And, and so it's exciting for everybody to be back again. It's been a long haul, man. Those 17 months were a difficult 17 months for people. Yeah. You um, know, what, did, what did you do with well, that time? <laughs> it's funny. I was going to say that, you know, like. Like you personally, what were your days like? Well, uh, I'll tell you this. That, you know, uh, before it was ever, it was like March 
13th, uh, March 12th, we had roughly full entire part-time employees, 272. Uh, within a month, we were down to 12 part-time employees. And the goal was literally just keep things going. Right. You know, and it was tough. All these people that you worked with were on furlough. And uh, so really what happened was people just, and, and, but that's the basis for, I think, what we are as an organization to begin with. Even on your regular day, somebody needs help, you jump in, you need you take care of it. Like Tim Brader is the CEO at River Edge Park. I've watched that dude bar back and carry cases of beer and pour beer and pick up garbage. And like everybody does that. And so it was even more intensified. So the areas that I oversee, like I was doing virtual tours for group sales on uh, Zoom. Because obviously those senior groups can't go anywhere, but we put together and I, I did a ton of those on stuff. Um, I worked with one of our folks who was in front of house. And so like uh, it was great that uh, our organization helped to support our artists during the holidays. So we had kind of the, the artists who are behind the scenes who you know are crafting wood and, and who build our costumes and sewing and do all these cool stuff and candles. We did kind of an online holiday uh, bazaar for them that ran for two or three weeks and then they had the pickup at our place. Um, we did like Trent who was the uh, director for Kinky Boots and a uh, friend of his those guys did gift wrapping to make money. And so we opened up our lobby and people would drop the gifts off there. Trent and his partner would take care of all that stuff and then they would come back later. So like I would change out marquees and, and everybody was doing all that kind of stuff. I happen to oversee uh, the a department that has custodial, operational custodial uh, cleaning. So we learned a lot about COVID at that time and it was really interesting, right? At first it was make sure you wipe everything down because that's how it's being transmitted. Was the very first yeah. like script, right? Yeah, yeah. and the, wash your hands, and it was. And we, we just kept evolving. <laughs> what I already do. Yeah. Yeah. But I literally learned how to use the electrostat machine that you use. We bought these power sprayers to come in and like spray everything down. Mm. So it was one of those that everybody just kept doing stuff to stay alive, and then trying to stay in contact, you know, with the people that you work with as well. So it was fun. Like there was a day. Uh, that uh, my wife and I took a Sunday and uh, we did the wiener wagon. So for a bunch of people who uh, were in our departments, uh, we told them, hey, look, are you going to be around at this time? We're going to pull up. We've got hot dogs, all the condiments. I've got Twinkies, Aww. all sorts of other kinds of things. I've got PBR. Uh, my wife made Jello shots. We did all this Twinkies, stuff. Twinkies, PBR, and Jello shots. <laughs> yes. When's the yeah, next one, bro? Right. Yeah. So they used to drop <laughs> acid and full dance at the same the time. Worst. I did. <laughs> the best so, thing ever. <laughs> so we literally would go to people's homes, pull up in the driveway, do like a mini tailgate for 15 minutes, get to see you know somebody that we work with, and then you know move on to the next person. And we tried to cover as many as we could. We actually started on a Saturday and did it again on a Sunday, but like just to try to stay in contact with these folks mm -hmm. because, you know, they're at home and they're wondering what's going on. I think that, you know, one of the keys to, to what Tim did was he constantly communicated no matter what happened, you know, like once a month, once every six weeks, he was sending out emails to people and letting them know they were thinking about them, our staff. So it, it was a really long haul. And, you know, we were talking before with uh, Curtis and you before we went on the air about about how it just looked like the zombie apocalypse when you yeah. came downtown. And I think that was such a stark thing to like every day I would come down here. I worked from home for the most part, 
but I just needed to come back just to have a touch, you know, of the place and to sit there and stare at a dark marquee, watch the lobby closed, all these empty desks. Like I remember after about six months, I went into Lost and Found and realized, oh, there's water bottles in there that people had left from the last performance. Because literally, oops, sorry about that. As we, no, it's all good. <laughs> Like we all of a sudden shut down and everything went dark. So we just put stuff away. So like I went through the refrigerators and dumped out all people's lunches and all that kind of stuff. And it was such telling sad moments of, you know, and naively I thought, oh, by the fall, we're going to be back up and running again. You know, we weren't and it kept going and it kept going. And the other thing for me, so part of my job is I do programming for our general season show. So, you know, at the time it's, you know, like Jay Leno and Frank Caliendo and Straight No Chaser and some of these. So I had to work with the agents in moving those shows to, you know, and finding a date that works for us and for them. And like Jay Leno, from the time I first booked him till the time he's actually going to hit the stage, will be over two and a half years. Yeah, that's right, because he was slated to be there. Right, yeah. yeah. And he sold out pretty fast. And the majority of the people stayed with it. And it was interesting, you know, like for us, we got together with Tim and our box office. We were one of the few box offices that were still open during the pandemic that uh, we're lucky enough to have a, a remote box office in our offices and then the main one at Paramount. So we had three people there and it was Kevin, Marie and Christian. Uh, they were socially distanced so because we were getting tons of calls of people wondering like what's going on what's going to happen my tickets where do we I, go yes. from there yeah can I get new ones right yeah, yeah. And, and I think what we did was cool from the standpoint of a, a, a lot of different concert venues and theaters made people decide pretty quickly we're going to reschedule it or do you want your tickets or don't you and for us we looked at well how do we make how do we help people make that decision so our deal was look we got a new date here's where we are at least right now you don't have to tell us until 60 days before that show whether you can make it or not and if you can great you know your tickets are still good if you can't we'll give you a full refund or a credit you know but it was those kind of things that we are operating within it in the whole time within a month Tim got us together and said, all right, we got to start figuring out how are we going to open again? So when we reopen, what are we doing? So we started looking at different scenarios for, for Paramount. And that is, if we have to socially distance, how many people can we get in the theater? What's the configurations, all that stuff. Uh, Kevin Burles, our audience services director, started doing all these configurations. I think at the time we could only get 488 people into an 1800 seat venue if we had to go through social distancing. So at that point, Tim had to look and go like, all right, if we're going to open Kinky Boots, you know, how long do we need to run it to be able to at least break even on those? So we right. kept doing all these different scenarios. And, you know, people, a lot of people still don't realize. Kinky we, Boots is running for three and a half right? years. <laughs> That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> but like at the same time, we've got River Edge Park, right? So we have like 16 shows booked there and bands just started dropping off, you know, like, you know, Snoop canceled his tour and Sugarland canceled Can their I tell tour. you, I was crushed about Snoop. I know, so was I. I was looking forward to it. Yeah, that's, uh, I his will mom say, got sick, though, I think, right? Pardon me? the reason his mom got sick? Well, yeah, his mom got sick. And at first, they were just canceling because 
they weren't really comfortable about going out. Then we were trying to reschedule as mom got sick. And so they were going through all that. But at the same time, we're doing the same thing at River Edge Park. A lot of places started doing these drive-in remote concerts, right? right. Where, you know, you're boxed off and either in your car or you mm-hmm. have your mm-hmm. seats. Mm-hmm. So we do, started doing all these different pods. And what we found out there, social distancing, you do these pods six feet in each direction. You can't be near them. You get about six people in there. We can only get a 1,000 people in a 6,000-person venue. Mm-hmm. So now it becomes really challenging even for the simplest concert Mm -hmm. because we can't afford to get that thing open. So we were nonstop working on all that. Even the policies that we have now with the COVID, uh, you know, the vaccinations and all those, we started working on those 16 months ago and starting to look at all of our different options. So the, the challenge was, you know, what's ever uh, all these different scenarios in place. So the day we get an okay, because we knew it's not like the state was going to give us a month's notice. Like it was going to be, <laughs> and, and it would have been. You could open Friday. Yeah. Right, yeah. And that's basically right. what it was. You know, we had canceled uh, the June shows at River Edge Park. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I thought for sure we're going to be canceling the rest of the season at River Edge. And we're about a week to 10 days away from canceling the July shows when all of a sudden, in fact, we canceled the first week in July because it looked like we weren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we got the word from the, you know, the, the mayor had told us, hey, tomorrow the governor is going to announce, here's what we're going to do. You guys can get River Edge open. And nice. now we're scrambling. Right. And, and then there was all sorts of other shortages, you know, the, the fact of trying to hire people to come back and work. You know, people weren't comfortable about coming out in the public, you know, trying to get people to just come back and, and you know, be comfortable of, of going back to work again or trying something different and new. And so it was a huge challenge. We were about 60 people short of what we normally hire at River Edge Park for the summer. So, so many people had to do double duties again on stuff, you know, and, and we were fortunate. We, one of the first, the first concert we got was REO Speedwagon. Mm-hmm. That uh, was a big one. It was huge. Nice I, out the box. Oh, dude. Yeah, that and, was good. And it was, was pressure good. was on because the deal was, you know, honestly, they were going to play Ribfest. Ribfest called off their entire thing. Mm-hmm. I got a call from uh, a guy named Greg Walton we work with who helps booking. And uh, so we scramble, put it together. Normally, it probably takes about three months to book a band that size. We got that thing budgeted, negotiated, and done within a week because they were looking to do something. We were looking to get everybody out here on stuff. Thank you. Yeah, yes. I drink that. That's right. You get a coffee, and you get a coffee, and you get a coffee. Thank you, live audience. And cars for everybody in the live audience. And matcha latte. And matcha latte. But, you know, all of a sudden, we got this national attention because we're the first big rock concert out of the gate in Illinois. It's REO Speedwagons. The first time REO Speedwagon is going to be together again. And so it was super cool, and the pressure was on. And now we have to pull this thing off, you know, being shy of all these people. And we did it. But I think, you know, I always go back to it's the teamwork. It's the essence of what the Paramount is. And everybody pulled together. We did it. It was super cool. And then we had to turn around and get ready for Sammy Harigar. And, you know, we did other shows. And and it was fun. And the vibe that day, like, I'll never forget it. Like, the people were so excited in line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, events. There was, like, this moment for events where, like, everyone who was, like, ready to, like, they were just, like, ready to go. Yeah. The gate, right? Yeah. Like, I saw the Snapchat, Instagram stories. All yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know our, our wine festival down in Oswego that we run was like packed too. There was just like, yeah. there, were, there were like people exploding ready to like be outside and around. And people. also, 
summer long, that's what it's been like, you mm-hmm. know, and it's been super cool. Like we closed the show with Poi Dog Pondering this year. And I don't know, we had like 3,000 people there. But like when it was over, it was interesting just to watch people hanging out. You know, they had a wonderful time. It was the last summer celebration. People were hanging. You could tell like just strangers talking to each other. And no one wanted to go home because it was the end of the summer concerts. You know what I mean? Like it was that, I think it was that moment where it was a celebration of we got to go do this kind of thing. This has been fun. You felt like it was somewhat normal again. And everybody wanted to drink it in as long as we could. And unfortunately, then we had to just kind of go through the park and be like, hey, man, we, we got to go home. We got to clean the park. Yeah. Do all this stuff. So it was a it was a whirlwind, man. It was sleepless nights and worrying, you know, are you, you going to get open again? Or are you not going to get open again? You know, the endless meetings. And, and we got through it and we're back at it. And we're, we're excited about it. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, what so, are the zoom meetings like? I have to imagine it's a game They are. Super <laughs> well, like we used to do, uh, we would do an occasional Zoom happy hour with yeah. departments too on stuff, which I know a lot of people are uh, talking about it. You know, Working I mean? in government is awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what you guys need to do with the Good Morning uh, Aurora staff is get like the 75 staff members that you guys have. Right, yeah. to manage the live audience. Right, to manage the live audience and do the happen. <laughs> it was so weird doing Zoom meetings. And, and honestly, like when I was doing presentations, you know, sometimes people would freeze up on the screen. So as I'm talking, you'd get the weirdest expression. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm bombing. This person right. hates it. <laughs> they look bored. Like the, I'm watching their face and their eyes are closed. And then I realized, oh, that was just it's a blink and yeah. caught it. But I'm feeling like, oh, this isn't going very well. And yeah, yeah. But it was so nice to actually get back together and do like live meetings again. Mm-hmm. And now we're doing some hybrids of it. You know, we're still doing some Zoom, some live. And uh, but yeah, man, it's it's cool. So um, you guys were one of the things that we talked about. You guys were in our news was that you were the first theater that we saw anywhere around here that made uh, vaccination mandatory to come see right. the show. Uh, which was very responsible, a good thing to do to protect the actors and everything. Uh, was there a lot of thought? I mean, to us, it seems a no-brainer. But how was that discussion, getting that ready to go? Uh, Honestly, that was like 16 months of discussions. Like, Tim started those discussions way back when people were furloughed as part of that idea of, like, when we get going, hit the ground running, let's look at our options. And so... Yeah, you know, number one for the actors, there's uh, we're, we're an equity house, so it means uh, uh, the actors' equity, and they very much had very specific rules for them about, you know, distancing, who can be in rehearsals, masks, vaccinations, all those kind of things. When we were looking at it and having these discussions, it was. What do we do, number one, to keep everybody safe? What do we do to keep the actors safe and the crews and the musicians and our staff and the artists? And, you know, the, the best way for us to do it is to make sure that everybody's vaccinated. You know, it was a tough call because, Tim, uh, we had meetings as well, and it was decided that for our staff, we, you know, made it mandatory that if you're going to work at a show, you have to be vaccinated. It's the only way for us to do it, and especially if we're going to do that with the audience. The other one was for those who have, you know, uh, religious or medical exemptions that you have to, you know, come in and and come up with a, a negative test. Then you have to do the research on the test. There's the PCR test. 
It's within 72 hours of uh, that, that of the showtime that you have had to have that test or a rapid test within six hours. Then we had to talk about children and making sure that you know everybody has a mask on. And we were going to do that even before the state made it mandatory because we we're trying to do everything we can to also minimize knowing some people can be carrying even if they are vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So you know we went through all this stuff. We had multiple meetings. Tim met with our board of directors. You know we talked to people from the health department the city you know uh, and we came up with this plan and we launched it and it was fascinating to watch the firestorm that that <laughs> thing caused yeah it was I loved it and do you feel like you got more pushback being out here because I think one of the things we saw with this whole pandemic is the uh, suburban rural urban divide right do you think your counterparts in like the city like your Broadway show houses in New York and in Chicago do you think they got the same pushback? Because, like, I went to a show at the Vic recently, and it was like, of course you had your, your vaccine right. card. It was like, no, like, of course. It was like, they didn't even have to say it, really. Yeah, I yeah. think that's part of it. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing was we also garnered national attention from really some extremist groups yeah. who looked at it. And, you know, we were the first one, as you said, out of the gate in, mm -hmm. in Chicago uh, with these policies. And so, you know, when we launched it, that was it. You know, yeah. it took off on, on the Internet. Uh, and God bless the folks who are our box office associates and our front house staff uh, who have to deal with this. Like the, the phone lines lit up and the controversy started. I started getting a bunch of calls personally and it was interesting, you know, like we were called Nazis. We were called, you know, like uh, anti-American because we're forcing people to do this stuff. You know, there was this big controversy if it's a violation of a HIPAA law and it truly isn't, you know, like the right. best best uh, uh, explanation I heard came from a labor lawyer who said, hey, look, you go to Great America and it says you have to be this tall to do this ride. Mm -hmm. It has to do with safety. It doesn't have to do with anything Period. else. Yeah. That's, That's exactly this. It's not, you know, we're not breaking any constitutional rights. We're not violating HIPAA laws. We're saying if you'd like to come, Here's what you need to do, and it's okay if you don't, but that's what it is on stuff. And so it became really tiring for everybody, you know, like you just constantly get pounded, and God bless the folks who came to, you know, our defense on the internet. Um, but even then, you know, like it, it still goes on to this day. Like I got a call from somebody a couple of days ago, and they were asking about what we thought was gonna happen with Cinderella. And I said, it doesn't appear that, you know, anything's changing in the state. It would be my guess that we're going to be implementing the same policies. The only difference would be that uh, we would allow children three and up for the show. Right now it's five and up for Kinky Boots. But otherwise it's going to be probably the masks and the vaccinations. I really want to meet the parents bringing their seven-year-old to Kinky Boots. But I, well, I want to know I'm bringing parents. a my eight-year-old yeah? this right. weekend. Like Sam has come to all the show. It's great. Yeah, great. And so, uh, it makes me so happy. But she had said, you know, that uh, she was arguing with me about the fact of children don't, you know, don't get COVID. And which is not true. Right, which absolutely, especially the Delta variant. Yes. And, so you know, it's unfair to make kids to wear a mask. They shouldn't be wearing masks to begin with. It's unhealthy for them, all those kind of things. And I kept trying to explain to them, like, look, listen, we're doing it to try to keep everybody safe. And at the end of the day, if it was up to us, we wouldn't do any of this. You know, we don't ha want to have to do any of this, but we're doing it to keep everybody safe. We're doing it to keep everybody employed. We don't want to send people home again. And so why does that keep going off? I was at my time. Because we're I came from Monica. I'm talking yeah. to you. Ah, I'm so sorry. She just texted me. Please be quiet. We never <laughs> cut it off. 
Jarvis. Right, <laughs> you had a buddy. Done. Man. Boom. Is she at the Jarvis button on that whole thing? You know, we so. We should have a button. It's just like. Right. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and she literally told me, I have now ruined uh, her five and seven year olds Christmas because they're not going to become, they're not going to be able to come see Cinderella. Ruined. And I tried to say, look, it's, it's not my choice. You're the one who's choosing not to test them. You know, and, and right. it's your choice, and we respect it. And she kept saying, but, you know, if you're vaccinated, you could be carrying. And I'm like, like true, there are breakthrough cases. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and we get it, but it's also why you wear masks yeah. and all the other things. Yeah. And so, and Wait even... Wait until she finds out what the supply chain is going to do to her kid's Christmas, but move oh, on. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> But even in the house, you know, to this day... It, it takes its toll on our box office folks and our front of house, house folks because, you know, once people get in, then they decide they don't want to wear their mask when they're in the theater. Mm-hmm. And now we got to keep people safe mm-hmm. and continue to do that. And it's a really tough and challenging job. Mm-hmm. And we just want to tell people, like, look, do us a favor. Please keep your mask on. Do it for everybody's just sake. Cool. You know, for it's only a couple hours of your entire week. And yeah, help us continue to stay open. Help us to continue to like right. help the community and, and yeah. generate business. You know, like I mean, we'll, you're seeing a you're seeing a world class production, and all it's really costing you is just your mask. Right. I mean, for heaven's sake. And you know, it's not just supporting us. You know, it's it's we're all in this together. We keep talking about that. Like you know, we we talk about it. We have a monthly meeting with the mayor, and we're all about hey, we're all going to make this together or break this together, just in general in Aurora. And so if we're not open, you know, it cuts into El Tiro or Stope Island or other places when it comes to you know food and coffee and gas stations and people are coming through here. You know, it's eighty two percent or eighty three percent of the people who come to shows at the Paramount are coming in from outside of Aurora. And so that's income that's being oh, wow. generated into <laughs> Aurora at gas stations and stores right. and all those kind of things. And hopefully you come here once and you come back again and you go to Treadwell or, you know, you, you go over and have a dinner or a drink over at El Tiro or La Quinta or whatever the case is, La Quinta. Um, and so... You know, it's supporting all of us when you wear that mask. And and it's hard for people to really take that into consideration and realize the amount of people it affects, not just us. Tanya Jarvis, Aisa Saxon, Anna Sierra, Grace Cornell, Greg Ellsbury, Josue Pais, oh, good morning, Tracy good morning. Durant, Tracy Mike Durant. Mancuso. Tracy Durant owes me money. Tracy, where is my twenty dollars? I want my money. Clap back. <laughs> so good. Well, I, I'll tell you what. Small uh, towns. Actually, small um, towns. Sunday, Sunday, Tracy Durant will be at Tavern on Broadway. Sunday, so November seventh. Come down, and get your twenty. Oh. Sunday, November seventh. She I'm will coming. be at. Bring yep, in, Bring that she twenty. Will be at Tracy. Tavern on Broadway. Um, and then last shout out goes to uh, Karina Suarez Darden. All right, so the time is 8.38 I'm p.m. sorry, I rambled, by the way. You no, that's why we brought you're you on. That way to. we don't have to talk as much. Oh, as I'm filler. That's you're what filler, it is. Yeah. Nice. You're supposed to ramble. <laughs> um, so Monica's got Cheers. a couple of uh, news headlines for us that she's going to deliver uh, to let us know what's happening locally, and then we will get back to our awesome discussion here with Mr. Jim Jarvis of Paramount Theater. All right. The City of Aurora is offering a free home internet security course, helpful and designed to protect all citizens from malicious activity. Aurora's Information Technology Department is collaborating with No Before. This is the world's largest internet security awareness training platform. There are eight online lessons. To access the platform, 
We will be sharing this link with you all in our chats. Get ready for Trunk or Treat. Our friends of Wesley United Methodist Church are holding this great celebration on Sunday, October 24th from 12.30 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. This will take place in the church parking lot at 14 North May Street. Volunteers will decorate vehicle trunks to dispense treats and trinkets. A prize will be awarded to the best decorated trunk. Save the day and come out for some fun. Saturday, October 30th, from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., there will be a great and spooky Halloween party taking place at McCarty Mills, 140 South River Street. Food, food by Chef Alton, cupcakes by Anna's Custom Treats, Best Costume Contest, and a book launch by our friends Victoria, Hila Maldonado, and Cisa Lassie. that's what's up. Come on out and support all of our local friends. One day I will say her last name correctly. Kicking butt. Monica's kicking both. In How come the audience didn't clap for Monica? You were oh. awesome, Monica. Wait, here. There it is. There it is. Yes. Yes. Can I just say those no before trainings, by the way, that the city is offering, the internet security, they're kind of great. Uh, we have to, we have them at, at my office mm -hmm. too. And in addition to the actual, like there's like games and stuff that teach your coworkers how to not open the email with the suspicious link and then forward uh, it on to like all right. of your coworkers, including you. And then like it causes mass chaos, uh, which I really appreciate as the young person in the office. <laughs> uh, but then they also have these like, uh, this like mini series on internet security called The Inside Man that's this massive drama that like has multiple seasons like it's like watching Netflix but at work you're like allowed to do it and then uh -huh. everyone in your office is like did you see the latest episode what do you think is going to wow. happen like, what legit. a training video yeah, right, they're, yeah, like, that's no, cool. they're like they're primo they're like British and it's like this whole drama anyway <laughs> so what, what, go do the internet security yes no before. It's free, no before and it's so cool that the city does so many things yeah. like that that's very like funny. I challenge you to find other cities that do the amount of things that these folks do and, and all that different stuff. Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's wonderful to be a part of. Uh, so, Jim, you're from the south side of Chicago. I am. Yes, sir. All right. What was your very first job? My very first job, I was what they like to call a customer service in those days, representative at Jewel. So I was a bag boy. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Shouts out to Yeah, the dude. Oh, yeah, I'm bad sick. boy. Oh. I did it. And it was... You want paper or plastic? Well, in my day, there was no choice. I am a little older now, you guys. And so it was just bags. And it was funny. I'll always remember they didn't have uh, instructional videos then. No. So instead, somebody came in and they yourself. showed us how to bag. And then you had to practice. And then they shot. And those were the days where the cashiers were like doing the things with their hands. It wasn't the, the swipe. It was super fast. And I'll always remember that uh, there was a dude next to me on a Saturday. And I was doing one lane. He was doing the other. And I looked over as he uh, was putting a flat sheet cake into a brown bag, which is totally cool. And he had it like this. And then when he went to go put it into, yes, the cart, he picked it up, put it sideways, oh, went like yeah. that. And you just heard the woman just like let yeah. this 
Not a yeah. It was like no. Like she'd be slow mo diving for oh, it. No. He was pulled it? it out of the bag, and you just saw it slide all oh. the way to the bottom. Was it a custom? Like the whole. Yeah, thing. she went because everybody yeah. got those cakes and jewel. And you, know you get them I mean? decorated yeah. for so and so's birthday. Yeah, the jewel bakery. Right. Jewel yeah. Bakery yeah. yeah. That was it. So yeah. that was my first job. Yeah. Okay. And then I worked all sorts of stuff. I worked as a lifeguard. I worked uh, construction as a mason's assistant, okay. which was just a brutal job during oh. the summers on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of went from there. And uh, I ended up going to Illinois State University. I uh, I got a 13 on my ACT. And so as my wife so likes to... So that's statistically, uh, if you just put a, like A for everything, I used to uh, teach. I used to teach ACT classes. Well, my wife, who apparently <laughs> is watching, will text you and say, "Well, apparently they did an experiment with like a chimp, and mm-hmm. the chimp got a, a one less. It's because you get a point for signing your name, uh-huh. and and at the time." I just, like, I wasn't into school, whatever else, went to junior college, played some football, ended up going to Illinois State, and I uh, ended up, I changed majors three times, and the only reason uh, that I ended up in this major was a, a friend of mine was like, you should try public relations and writing, and, you know, you seem to like that kind of stuff. I ended up getting an internship with the athletic department, and uh they hired me full-time my senior year as the assistant sports information director at Illinois State. And then it kind of went from there, man. So I came back to Chicago. I was doing that for years, came back to Chicago, worked a couple different jobs. And the way I even got into the arts was um, I always wanted to try an improv class. And so I got an improv Mm -hmm. class when I was 30 for uh, my birthday and I took it in my first improv class to this day I'm still friends with folks and so it was yeah like uh, one of my closest friends Charles Glenn and Kevin Rome is a second city person Tina Fey and uh, I went through second city we're 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 just uh, two degrees of separation from Tina Fey well yeah and so (laughs) it was super cool that you know like I got to do this and fell in love with it. So I was a marketing director for a division of the Walt Disney Companies at the time. So it was called Professional Exposition Management Company. We did uh, trade and consumer shows, big shows uh, around uh, the United States and the world. And so I was doing that by day and then uh, fell in love with improv. So then I started studying Improv Olympic. And then my teammates in those days then were Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and all sorts of other folks. But like the people that I got to play with and watch was like Adam McKay, uh, who Adam McKay and Will Ferrell have teamed up for all sorts of different movies. Adam right. just won a uh, Oscar two years ago for best original script, and like Neil Friend from Scrubs and all these different people to this day that I see on TV. Like I got to be a part of that early days. So yeah, I improvised for years and then wanted to take an acting class at the time, did that, started doing plays and commercials. And the way I ended up meeting Tim Raider was I actually got cast in their very first subscription production at Metropolis in um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, Who did you play? I auditioned for Atticus and didn't get it. So I was this understudy, but I was the the prosecuting attorney during the whole thing on stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, You You were the bad guy? Ended up being the bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, uh, uh, because you could feel it, you know, like when I'm up there and I'm doing it and I turn around and you could just feel the audience hated me. Right. Uh, That uh, that means you're good. Uh, I guess. Right? Uh, Yeah. 
so I would always uh, try to do some work for free work for nonprofits uh, since I, I have this marketing background. And so I met Tim on the opening night. We came and we talked and they sounded like they could use some marketing help so i offered to do some free work for him and uh instead he was like how about we pay you hourly so i think i got paid like seven bucks an hour to that and i started this this was in nine let's see it must have been like two tim and i worked together for 20 years so subtraction 2001 2002 Uh, and so I started doing work for them and I was still doing at that point uh, all sorts of consulting and freelance work that were paying my bills and then I was acting and improvising and doing this and then Tim uh, I drank the Kool-Aid like Tim is one of the most passionate individuals I ever met and he had this dream of what he wanted to do at Metropolis in downtown Arlington Heights. And so he talked me into uh, giving up all of my corporate clients for, uh, as we were talking before, Monica, at the coffee shop, you're thinking about working for nonprofits for the unbelievably profitable world of nonprofit theater. (laughs) So I gave that all up and went to work for him and then have, you know, done it ever since. So Tim had left, uh, you know, Tim opened a school there, much like, you know, they did here and outreach programs and stuff. So Tim went on to his next project after years. I filled in for him and took over his role. And then he called me one day and was like, hey, man, I'm thinking about doing this. And this is in the midst of the, the housing crash and the recession and all that. And he said, I'm going to launch a Broadway series in Aurora. And... Uh, he said, and here's what I'm doing. It's going to buy two shows, get two shows free. And I use some colorful metaphors when I said this, although apparently you can use it on podcasts, but I'm not oh, going to yeah, do it. Oh, yeah, you can say whatever And I you said, uh, you, know, like, you are either going to be the, you are either going to be the shortest lived career for a CEO in the history of the arts, or you are going to be the most revered. And he's become one of the most revered CEOs for the gamble that he took. And like our board of directors going along and supporting them and all this stuff. And if you look like all the stuff we've done now, right? We've worked with Universal Studios on, on, you know, Broadway originals. And when we were doing Secret of My Success and we have this great relationship with Walt Disney and all these other things, it's because of that gamble Tim took. And I'll always remember. gamble. Yeah, dude. I remember coming into downtown Aurora for the first time to meet with him. (laughs) And and it was back to the days of COVID at first. (laughs) Like there were nobody on the streets. I couldn't believe, like, I got down here early thinking, like, oh, it's going to be like Chicago where I got to look for parking. I parked right in front. Nobody was here. Yeah. And uh, it was funny. I called my brother, and I was telling him I was on the way, and he's like, please tell me you brought some kind of weapon with you. You're going to Aurora. And we're from the south side, and he said, <laughs> right. yeah. you know, because it had that reputation. And it's so wonderful now to look and, like, see people walking their dogs and kids downtown and in the ice cream shop and all this stuff. Like, it's been just nothing but an honor to be a part of, like, you know, the the, the evolution of, of what's going on, and it's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Laura Sanchez Soto, good morning. Good Let morning. me tell you that sitting at that ice cream shop <laughs> and watching uh, all the very attractive actors moving back and forth in and out of the state is one of my favorite things in downtown Aurora <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it is a good vibe. Gentlemen. It, is a good, it is a good vibe. It is nice to see, like, the, the mixing of you know, personalities and, and the arts kind of, you know, just sinewed together in yeah. beautiful downtown. You know, like the fact of they had the arts, uh, you know, the arts artist loft over there. Yeah. Yes. In the midst of all the other projects that are going on down here. It's, 
Like it's it's so different, and I'm fascinated every every day to see what's happening on it. And it's so wonderful, even you know, like in, in this our school, the performing arts. You know, Jess and her team over there are amazing, and the and the classes that they're building, and and you know the reach. Uh, it's super cool because you know at the end of the day, I think for me, you know, I come from the south side, so. Hey, I didn't know anybody where I'm from, man. You played football or baseball or wrestled. You got in a ton of fights, you know, like that was it. I smoked dope and, like and got in like trouble. Like Shameless, do you watch Shameless at all? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's a right? good show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, although I can, I can, if I could drop a name, so uh, I, a good friend of mine. Um, called one day and said, hey, I'm going to lunch at the Four Seasons downtown. Do you want to go with me? I was like, wow, uh, I couldn't afford anything like that. And they, right. they're they they're very well off and they were contributors at Metropolis. And I was like, sure, great. So I go to lunch and as she, we're walking in, she said, I, uh, I invited a friend of mine. I think you're gonna like him. Bill's a good guy, and it's the Shaw star of Shameless. William H Macy. William oh, H Macy. Yeah. 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 And it was and it was so funny because you know like he's got the long hair. And yeah, sure. He, you know he looks and totally different. He's basically different. studying your family, right? To like right. this like looks awful legit. person. And he couldn't have yeah. been it. And then you're like sitting around and chit chatting <laughs> and stuff. But like for me, the arts changed my life. You know, at 30 years old, doing the improv and getting act and doing all the different things that I've gotten to do, and it's it's made me more confident. Like, I can sit here and have a conversation with all you wonderful folks because, you know, just the training from all of it and the confidence he's given to me and the listening skills. And, like, it's cool that my, I'm watching my kids who have grown up in it and love it and love being a part of it. And, like, we did Drag Queen Story Hour a week ago, and uh, our eight-year-old Sam was like, hell yeah, man, I want to be a part of it. We had these protesters outside, uh, and they were protesting that, that we were uh, basically trying to, um, you know, change the lives of small children in the yeah, wrong yeah. way. So send, send them to hell right. early. And, and so as uh, people a, a guy in a dress telling my kid a story is right. going to turn my kid into something that they weren't. And we were walking up, yeah. and I always remember Sam was there with a friend of his, and it was my wife and I as well, and we're walking up, and Sam's like, Dad, what's that? And I'm like, those are protesters. And he was like, what are they protesting? And I said, they're protesting because they don't love everybody. They don't accept everybody. And Sam literally goes, Dad, I got this. And decides he's going to start cro crossing the street to take him out. Oh, no. Trying to reach him. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 dude. Yeah. Like, you don't do that. Right, yeah. Right. You can't do that whole thing. It's Sam against Westboro Baptist. Right, yeah. <laughs> but the cool part is, like, that's the other thing. Like, theater... Uh, Theater has shown my kid acceptance. And, and it is in our house to begin with on stuff. We literally have a rule in our house, and they repeat it as an, an eight-year-old. He was doing it as a six-year-old. We have a rule about don't be a dick. Like, it's a simple rule it's of life. It's the best like, rule. You don't have to treat somebody bad. If you're having a bad day, I get it. But still don't do that. Don't, don't judge somebody. Don't do this. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't be a dick. Just go on with your day, man. It's right. everybody's cool. And if everybody adhere to that... Man, it would be a different world. It's such a simple rule that everybody at every age should be able to understand. I'm going to do yeah. it on T-shirts one day D -D -D -D. and then sell it online. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that upset me about the, uh, the comments we were talking about earlier. It's like, let's keep it real. Who in the world was even going to be going to the box office? I, mean, I know that you guys get a lot of people coming to Paramount, but nobody was even, all those people commenting and all caps and all that nasty stuff. Right. They weren't going to the box office to buy tickets for Kinky Boots anyway. No. Nope. They just wanted to spew some vitriol 
and just poison the water for a little bit. And that's that's um, that's unfortunate. Greg Ellsbury says um, the Paramount and the Broadway series have saved our downtown. Bless those who had that dream. Shout out to Jeanette Splaining as well. Love the information. Gabriel Bradford is here as well. Hi, everybody. Hi. Okay. Thank you. Um, the time is 8.54 a.m. Wow, does this fly by. Right? I know, right? Damn. I know. So, Curtis is like, move it. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. I'm like, I'm talking as fast as I can. Ain't nobody ever tell me to the, the, talk the faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I've known you for a while. <laughs> yeah. The only one yeah. talks faster than me is you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, right. We partnered on that uh, the world record attempt. You're helping yeah. me out with that. And it was you and me going back and forth. Right. And I was like, what is happening? World record for fastest talking? Oh, wow. Mine's uh, sparked by coffee. I drink two pots of coffee a day. Damn. And I have a heart condition. And, oh, and, so yeah. that's a good comment. And my cardiologist is not happy about that. I'm right. like, dude, there's so many it's worse things I could do, like Seriously. cocaine or speed or yeah, whatever. You have options. So it's just coffee. Yeah. So nobody ever said just say no to coffee. Nancy Reagan never said that. No. Just no, no say no to drugs, man. Yeah. yeah, and she was against rap too. Right, yeah, yeah that's it. But rap got the last laugh. Yeah. Okay. Sure did. Um, so next question. One, what's wrong with America? And two, what can the arts do to help? Sure. I think what's wrong with America goes back, honestly, to that whole message from Kinky Boots. And it's people just can't accept people. They don't, or, or even people can't have a conversation anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it feels like. It feels like in the old days, look, I may not, uh, I may not agree with your opinion, mm -hmm. but I'm at least here to accept your opinion. I think, you know, like to... to deviate for a second. My dad had three roles. He was in World War II and, and like he was in the mix, two Purple Hearts and a Bronze Star and he saw the shit. And, and when uh, we were in high school, my dad said, look, I got three things that you and your brother always have to do. Number one, you gotta stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves. Uh, number two, that you have to vote because I've been to places that they weren't allowed to do that and people were taking over, et cetera. And number three, no matter what happens, whether you agree with it or not, you have to support free speech and you got to listen to people. And I think that's the problem, right? You know, like when they started taking a knee, people didn't listen to why they were taking that knee uh, and Kaepernick was doing it and, you know, with Black Lives Matter in those early, early days of stuff. They just saw it as you're being disrespectful and you weren't listening to the true message and nobody can have a conversation about it anymore. And I think that's one of the, the biggest problems in the world. And I think Kinky Boots is a perfect example, man. Nobody's trying to change you into something. Nobody is trying to, you know, make you do something you don't want to do. It's, hey, this is who I am. This is my life. And, and accept it. I'm going to accept you for who you are, right? But politics anymore, like, that, that uh, I will be honest, like, you know, I, I have no family left. Everybody passed away years ago. And my brother, you know, as wonderful a human being as he was, he could, was very conservative. And if he was alive, he, I... I don't know what would have happened to the two of us because after all that shit happened with Trump, you know, and, and all those extremists, like, I don't know that we could have had a conversation about it because I think he would have turned into one of those people. And I think that's the problem, man. Nobody's talking. Nobody's accepting. Everybody's made a judgment on somebody. We see it on Facebook, you know, and, and even some of the people who are well-meaning, like, you know, I, I was monitoring social media when we did the indigenous post and people who were coming to our support 
also had some of these posts and it was a Native American with giving the finger. I'm like, you can't do that. Right. Like, I, I get your right. point and look. I, well, like as I, soon as you start being shitty about it, right. then you, everyone yeah. shuts down. Yeah. Some of the people, right? there were some people who, yeah. who did your approach and talked about the history of it. Beautiful, great. That's what we need to do. But don't swear at somebody. Don't start using racial slurs. Don't give the finger. Don't do whatever else. Like, just give your points and listen. And if you have to, agree to disagree. And let's move on. Don't be a dick. But I think that, to me, like, truly, that's the biggest change I've seen. And, you know, like, honestly, I'm turning 60 in another month. And uh, so I've gotten to watch all this stuff over my years. And it's so disappointing to see because in my world, in some respects, I love the fact of, like, my son's best friend, uh, Christian, is black, and, and Sam's closest-knit friends are Hispanic and black, which you didn't see in the old days when I was growing up, right? And you see that yeah, part of it now. Southside, it's, right? It's like this line right, is yeah. like... And this line. Ta- you know, like Chicago's always known for being one of the biggest segregated the most cities. Segregated city you know, you in think the about that going on in the South. Screw that noise, man. I watched it. It, it wasn't was terrible block to by see. Block the way it is. And so, as much as I love to see this, and, and like, you know, it was wonderful that we had one of Sam's friends explain to him one time, like, hey, he's your brother and he happens to be uh, uh, Latin American, but guess what? You're going to get treated differently than him the whole life because why you think you're a brother, you're white. And you got to understand, you're always going to have to stick up for your friends on stuff. And it's terrible that that's the case still, you know what I mean? So for as much as I like to see this, and I think it's wonderful and huge steps, at the end of the day, we still end up in this divide, and it sucks so badly. And I think what theater can do is continue with these messages, right, of, of trying to show acceptance. You know, like we've gotten emails from people, including somebody I know who, you know, may not been pro-gay, but they came and saw the show or they didn't understand it or they might even been anti-gay, but they were more open after they saw the show, including somebody that I know who came and saw the show and was like, wow, it opened my eyes and especially opened my eyes to somebody that would come from the transgender community. So I think that's our role is keeping challenging people, having conversations with people. Like, yeah, you know, while I think it sucks at times watching the fights on Facebook, if they can just be healthy dialogue as opposed to that, you know, screw off, you're a racist, screw off, you're this, and just everybody talk like you did right here, and just talk about the facts and talk about your feelings without that emotion, I think that's our role in getting that conversation going. Yeah, storytelling is really known for building that empathy in people, right? People who read books, people who go see theater, all of that, like it builds um the, the ability the imagination to understand another person's perspective in yep. a way that they might not get just from reading news or, or nonfiction. you know and even the outreach things that are that our schools doing like that's drag uh, queen story hour paramount was, school of the arts you mean yeah school? or paramount okay. school of the arts is you know ha- getting you know sam to be able to meet somebody from the transgender community <clears throat> and them getting asked questions like it was great that you know trying to educate and even the parents that were there who never had that exposure before like all those outreach programs that that our folks in the education department are doing as as part of that thing that we bring as paramount we're opening this 
uh, series called The Bold Series, and we're going to announce next week what the shows are. It's going to be these shows in our 165-seat theater. It's going to be shows, you know, that we wouldn't normally do on the main stage, mm-hmm. but we're going to do there. It's going to be a subscription series, yes. and there's going to be some really intense shows there. There's uh, one this really wonderful piece that's coming out of it, and it's about somebody coming home back to Chicago and trying to, you know, assimilate themselves back into the community that's changed and, you know, how people perceive them. And, you know, so all those different things that we do like that, I think, are get us a step closer to, you know, continuing the conversations with people. Yeah, I, uh, one of the best stories so far in the history of Good Morning Aurora, um, I was at Treadwell one day, had the Good Morning Aurora t-shirt on, and some guy, uh, you know, with a, you know, he had the sticker of the former president all over his truck, pulls up, he sees me and he says, good morning, Roar. oh man, I love that sh-. I was like, <laughs> and he gave me a, I still, I still wear the hat, he gave me this um, motorcycle, got the American flag hat from his uh, company, whatever, oh, cool. he was like, man, would you, here man, would you wear the hat and show support, I was like, you know what, hell yeah. Aurora, I appreciate that. I appreciated a, that a lot. Aurora as a city is like so like uniquely positioned, right? Because we're on the edge of Chicagoland, right? Which is very like the liberal bubble, right? But we're also on the edge of like sort of not that, right? right? And so like you have the opportunity in a small city like this where everybody knows everybody to like interact with people uh, who don't think the same way as you. Yeah, I don't think we have another city, so... Yeah. Should we promote Kinky Boots? What? So this is the last weekend. Yeah. Last right? weekend. So we got a, a show tonight at eight o'clock, and then we have a show tomorrow at three and eight. And Sunday it is at one o'clock, and the final performance is at five thirty. And you know, Damn. any of those are amazing. But I will tell you, I think that especially the closing night show at five thirty is is always a very special show. But I think it's even going to be more so given the fact of the story that we're telling and the fact of this is our first show back after COVID. So I bought the and what that tickets because I'm going to eight. eight p.m. Saturday. It'll be a great uh, show, though. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's yeah. always good. It's always, like, amazing. So. But Cinderella's November 10. Yep. We right. got Cinderella. Then we go into Groundhog Day after that. And then uh, we're going to finish up with uh, Rock of Ages. And then we have all these one-off shows, and we've had to condense them all into March. And honestly, that was another move that had to do with COVID, because we weren't sure when we were going to, how long we'd run Broadway shows, what we needed. We needed the room in case to meet her to ring, run Kinky Boots for nine months. So, um, well, we have like the Frank Caliendo, Straight No Chaser, uh, Under the Street Lamp, Man in Black, all those shows are gonna be condensed into March. Uh, and then- Man later, in Black. Yeah, Man in Black. And it's Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash. That's right. an amazing right. Johnny, and I'm a yeah. huge Johnny Cash yeah, tribute. Yeah, yeah. And so like, I'm very particular. If you're gonna find one, man, like, oh, we're doing Purple Rain. Oh, this dude. We oh, had him a snap. few years Purple back. Purple Rain. Yeah, and my wife is an enormous Prince fan. And so I would test, like, when I get videos, I know enough people where I will send him and say, what do you think of, it's especially a tribute show, what do you think of this? And I'll get people to chime in on stuff. Uh, and I do it all the time. And I will tell this as well. Like, hey, when, when people ask me how uh, like I look at shows, I always tell people, if you got an idea, send it to me. You can go on the website and see my email address. 
every single show that somebody sends me, I give at least one minute to take a look because you can tell at that point, you know, is it the caliber or whatever else? But like Purple Rain, amazing. Man in Black, amazing. Like these are going to be really cool, fun shows. And so check it out, ParamountAurora.com. And let me finish saying this. No, go ahead, Brad. Go ahead. Go if ahead. I could. I, I was just looking at the time. It's 906. Are we good? Go ahead. Oh, oh, is it really? I'm so sorry. No, keep going. Keep so, going. You know that that um, we've we've had a lot of instances where people have been buying tickets from third party sites. If that's your deal, that's super great, and there's you know there's nothing wrong with it, and they're totally legal. But we had a person buy a ticket for two hundred twenty-five dollars. You don't to, have to do that. No, you don't. You it, can just buy them from here, from from the Paramount. Yep. Yeah. And much less. You know, there, there's names like Aurora Box Office or those kind of things. That's not us. ParamountAurora.com or call the box office and verify where you're getting your ticket. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want, there's no reason that you can buy a $45 ticket and you just bet two and a quarter on yeah. the ticket. Right. Don't. And you're not giving yeah. back the two and a quarter. Right. That's yeah. not happening. That's just and all what, yeah, and what happens is how that whole thing works, and it's illegal in Illinois, is they don't even have the ticket in their possession. They get your credit card, they give you a range of where you can get the tickets. Then they have these accounts set up. They use their credit card, buy the tickets, put it under the person's name. And uh, so if something happens, if like we cancel the show, whatever no, else. You don't get your money excuse back. Excuse me, it's not us. Yeah. We never even knew you bought that ticket from somebody else. Yeah. Well, and especially you. during the holidays. So do that. Yeah, that's uh, thank you for saving people some money. And that's yeah. some good yeah. information to have. Um, all right. Hell of an interview, man. Hell Dude, that was good. This was, can this can was I an say awesome this? This was an awesome yeah. show. <laughs> you are this wonderful, awesome. all you guys. And you were telling me how you got started, that this all started in your bathroom during COVID, yeah, basically. Yeah, it did. And it is so cool like to be a part of something that evolved like that. And I think like that's another example of like... That's what's right in the world. Like, hey, man, find something. You were passionate about the news. You gave it a shot. You started small, and you keep evolving into this thing. It's grown. And it's just keep going and going. And for everybody supporting it and for you stepping up saying, I asked you how you got involved, and you're like, I just want to do something for Aurora and be a part of it. And you're here now, and, and you've always been I don't know how I stuff. showed up. <laughs> You said that video of you talking really fast, and Chris is like, yes, that'll work. I'm going to get him. So thank you. And thank yep. you guys for, for shedding light on everything that you do, man. It's super cool. Yeah, we're trying to put uh, Roar in a good light. All right, you guys, uh, have a blessed weekend. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Hit us up on Spotify. Patreon. And November 7th. We have Patreon. the Patreon. Yeah. Give us money so that we can keep buying coffee November, for our guests. November 7th. Be at... 24 North Broadway, Tavern on Broadway, Noticias y Mimosas, live show with Tracy Duran, showcasing art history there for you. Uh, mimosas are four bucks. <laughs> Just so and you will have the greatest the time so of your $20 life. Back. All right. <laughs> Tracy, you owe me $20 right there. That's what I want. That's where it's going to be. $20. All right. So good. And with that, we hope that you guys have a blessed weekend. We'll see you Monday. Take care of yourself and each other. Adios, Aurora. Thank you.